Greetings, nerds. This is Scene and Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing today, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. I hope you had a good weekend so far. I had a good weekend, and I'm looking forward to next weekend because we will be going on break, and it's not that I don't like chatting all things nerd with you, Will, or our listeners, but... Um, I'm, I need a break from just life in general right now. You, you, you definitely deserve one, my friend. And I am so happy for you that, uh, that you're getting some time off. I know I, I just, just as someone who just came back from it, uh, before last week, uh, it's, it's def- you definitely need them. So I'm looking forward to you having some time off, even though I'll miss, I'll miss you, but I'm glad you're getting it. Yeah, so we're going to be recording a special Krypton episode review for their third episode um, on Thursday, and then we'll be gone through the 4th of July break and then come back with a special Spider-Man Far From Home review, and hopefully you'll hear a new voice on that podcast. So that's the plan right now, everyone. Uh, we... We're going to try to give you some co- more content before we take the break, but uh, just be on the lookout for that. So speaking of 4th of July. Yeah. Uh, w- okay, so I did watch the trailer. Okay. But for some reason, I'm forgetting. When does Stranger Things drop? It drops the... It drops that week. Yeah, 4th, 4th that's what July I week. thought. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so w- what are your thoughts on the trailer? It... It reminded me why I really enjoy this series to begin with. And it looks like the Upside Down may be returning. I feel like this season, the parents and the kids are really going to be become a bigger team. And not so much like the, the parents are on their storyline and the kids are on their storyline. Yeah, that definitely seemed to be the vibe, at least with this, this final trailer. Uh, we definitely see saw it seemed like more team-ups with the adults and, and the kids. Mm-hmm. And I like how they are incorporating that um, brother-sister dynamic that with the new characters who we just got in the season two. And that's going to be more important this season because the brother is going to become a host. Looks like a good trailer, and we're going to check it out and cover it. I'm pretty sure that's all we need to say about it. <laughs> yes, that's all we need to say is just... It drops July 4, so binge away before you go see the fireworks and come back and finish up what you didn't see before. So you wanted to also talk about something else. Um, I don't really I, – I was invested, and now I'm just over this whole thing, but Avengers being re-released. Yeah, so looks like we were, have been tracking for some time. I know you're kind of eh about it, but I'm still on the on the – dethroning avatar train and looks like avengers is going to be re-released with some extras and on a july on june 28th you know the funny thing about it is i feel like the last time i checked they were only like 40 million shy or something and now i'm thinking well that's like chump change (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're only 40 million shy only Only. Yeah, I was reading a Screen Rant article. I guess when Avatar was re-released, uh, I think it only brought in, I think, around $10 million more dollars. Uh, and I think it, at that point, it was just sort of adding to its already record-breaking total. But uh, with this, 
I, I guess I, I saw like different stories about what's going, what it's going to be. It looks like Kevin Feige basically said there's going to be a few added as uh, a deleted scene, uh, a little tribute and, uh, and it's not an extended cut. So basically it looks like we're going to, it's still going to be the, the regular theatrical cut that was released spring, but it also is going to add our, our customary things after the credits. So as folks are so used to with MCU films, but to this day, people still leave. I don't know why, but stay till the end of the credits because we'll get uh, things. Basically you get in DVD releases, which is the deleted scenes and a little tribute. Maybe the little tribute could be something for black widow because I, I know a lot of folks felt that she really didn't get a proper funeral or recognition for her sacrifice uh, in, in the, in the original cut. So, so maybe it's something like that. Hmm. I, I think the bigger Avengers news is that we're going to get phase four announcements yeah. during yeah. comic con. And that's, that's huge because I mean, I still think about that when they gave the, when they re- released what was happening in phase three and made that big announcement, it wasn't Comic Con, but it felt like it. Yeah. So now to do that same announcement only at Comic Con, I can only imagine, especially considering DC withdrew. Yeah. And, and really this is what people want to know and want to, what the fans really want to be a part of and is an event like announcement so it'll be i'm really excited for that i'm i'm excited for far from home i've stopped watching trailers i've stopped watching clips because you know homecoming they released a lot that basically gave away the plot of the movie so i'm trying to stay (laughs) far away from far from home (laughs) yeah i i have i have basically done the same uh, as far as staying away from any trailers previews whatever uh i know they're I know some shows, I think Collider, um, live or had a little small snippet on their show, just spoiler free. Uh, but all, at least, even though I haven't seen any trailers or anything recently, all, I think the embargo has, has been lifted for reviewers and all the buzz coming out of the film is that it's very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will also say that Sony does have, this vlog happening between Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal, where as they're on the press tour, you get behind the scenes with them just being goofballs. And I have enjoyed those. <laughs> There's no spoilers, but it's exactly. just those two. And and it really does get me into the mood of wanting to watch this film and seeing them on screen together. So you know, I'm I'm very excited for that to drop. I'm looking forward to the announcement, I think, even more. Because knowing what's next, like, considering how Avengers did not have that customary, like, here's the next chapter or this is what's ahead, here's a tease, I'm still waiting for it. I'm waiting to be teased at what's to come um, with this huge franchise. Yeah, yeah. And I know this week there's there were some rumblings. And there, well, I guess the last few weeks there's been some rumblings about Keanu Reeves joining the uh, MCU and, and other uh, 
cast possible casting news. So yeah, there, there's definitely some excitement leading up to leading up to SDCC and yeah, I mean, you know, maybe DC and Marvel planned it this way. And, 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 and they also not only San Diego Comic Con, but also D23, which will be in August. So, mm-hmm. so they'll, so I think we're, you know, we may get a one-two punch of some great news coming out of Comic Con, but then, um, at D23, maybe even some more news. Reeves is very interesting to me because he is going through almost a reconnaissance. Like, this is a Reeves resurgence that's happening right now, considering the John Wick franchise. I heard the third one is better than the second one. Good thing I didn't watch the second one. Looking forward to the third one. (laughs) 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 And then also, he's gained a lot of popularity because of his brief uh, cameo in Always Be My Maybe. Like, he basically plays himself, and it's really uh, funny and endearing. Yeah. Or a heightened version of himself, I'll, I'll say that. And and then recently E3 happened, and there's a video game that's being released next year called Cyberpunk 2077. Yep. And he, him being a part of that, being basically a character on in that game again. His name, it won't be a surprise to me if he winds up in a Marvel movie because of all of this push for him to be recognized as the star that, oh, and I forgot one, of course, Toy Story 4. Yeah, yeah. You're right. He is everywhere. He is, like, definitely having that, uh, as you said, the reconnaissance. And uh, we saw this also with, like, John Travolta years ago. And, uh, you know, it's interesting how... Uh, certain actors will, can get that second or third renaissance and push on their career. And Keanu's definitely not that he ever really faded away, but uh, he he he's always he's always been around. But it just you're right, he just seems to be everywhere right now. Yeah, he he's definitely a name. And given it all depends on the part, Marvel has a pretty good track record of being able to find the right actor or actress for these roles mm-hmm. and they don't tend to cast due to stardom no. but the internal eternals from what i understand about the property i i he's he's a vampire so i would buy it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally would totally would it's, a stretch. <laughs> it's not a stretch at all it's not it's not a stretch at all and honestly this is a franchise that if i were an a-lister if there's a franchise that I would want to be associated with right now, this is one I would want to be. Uh, there's no downside to be uh, being associated with the MCU. I, I agree 100% with that. I mean, everybody who is associated, their their careers have just improved because of that. And even when they try to make a name for themselves outside of it, it never seems to work out well, right? Men in Black 3? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Funny. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> moving on to the main topics of today, our TV shows that we love. Let's yeah. start with Swamp Thing today. Okay. That sounds like a plan. So you liked this episode more than I did, so I'm going to actually let you start. Okay. And the reason why I liked this episode, it was – I felt since 
the beginning of the series, we've been teasing the Alec and uh, Abby love story. And I felt this episode really moved that, the, 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 the story a little bit more significantly to me this week. I mean, we've had, you know, we had the first tease in the second episode. We had the part last week, but this week was that they were actually interacting physically as far as because of her being infected by the virus, jumping ahead to some things that happened, but also, uh, her even starting out the ser- the show, uh, seeking him out in the swamp and really, Growing that, that friendship. And, and I know at the very beginning of the season, I was a little reticent about, and it was critical, quite frankly, of not really buying the love story. Now, seeing how things are unfolding, I'm actually glad that it's unfolding it this way. And, and, I, and I'm actually starting to, to believe it. So I think for, for, for that, that was, one of the reasons why I, I did like this episode this week, my if I did have a complaint that I would put out there right now is I, I feel that and, and this is probably int- intentional on the story writer's part because they probably at the time thought that they were going to have more than one season to to explore this is that I feel that there were moments as I was watching this episode. Swamp Thing is a supporting character in his own show. Oh, good point. I didn't think about that, but you're, I, that's a pretty good call. He, he's, he, but he's chilling in the swamp. He is well, chilling in the swamp. He is chilling in the swamp. But he can't really go into town. I know, like I know, I know, but, he, <laughs> but I just, I, he can't go into town, but at the same time, I just, and, and I, to me, this seems to be more of Abby's story than Alex's story. I think what they would need to do, and maybe they already have this planned out, is do an entire episode through Alex's perspective. Mm-hmm. Because I agree, this is mainly told through Abby's perspective because she is the audience's avatar. And how we start to understand what's going on with the swamp, what's going on with Alec, what's going on with the little girl, what's going on with the Sunderlands. So she's able to bridge all of those storylines while he is a big focus, but he's mainly connected to and he is. But he's like a a consequence of all of that. Right. So and that's why I think they have to kind of. Put him on out of focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that and for the other very obvious reasons. But it is kind of annoying because, you know, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. It's not just called Beast. It's called Beauty and the Beast because Belle is the story's told through her perspective. And this yeah. show isn't called Abby and Swap Thing. Or Abby Arcane, it's called Swamp Thing. So right. it should be more about him. Um, but like I said, for all we know, maybe in a few weeks we get that episode and the writers have already figured out that that's what they really need to do in order for us to become more attached to him yeah. and not attached to him through our affection for Abby. Right, right, right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think that's probably that's probably 
the way they are going. Uh, but it's just something that I just, that as I was watching the beginning of this episode, I was like, it, I, I just had the, that feeling and, and it reminded me of a lot of the feelings I have when I've watched The Flash the last couple seasons where the, the focal point character is sort of off to the sideline and, and the focus has shifted to other, other characters. Oh, the classic Flash PTSD excuse. However, exactly. I will say I did not think about it through that lens, but I made a similar comparison while watching this episode, and that's why I didn't like it as much as I did last week. This felt way too procedural for me. Mm. I know that comic book shows, they do tend to fall into this pattern of villain of the week. Mm. We got to figure this out, and that allows us to get get to know our heroes that much more or get to know our villains, but the, the... the solution of taking down the villains won't come till later. Right. We see it time and time again on Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, all of that. And I felt like in comparison to last week where there were those procedural elements as well, they went heavy procedural this week and light on the the exposition regarding Abby and her relationships with her parents. They like skid, they teased us. They teased us really hard in that regards. And, and I'm just like, really, it took us 40 minutes to get there. And you're just going to give us like two minutes on it. That seems very time wasteful. If you ask me. And then at the same time, like to your point about Alec, he was a big part of how she was able to figure out what was going on with everything. And yet he probably had less than 10 minutes of screen time. And and instead it was more focused on making sure we understood how this disease was transferring. Mm-hmm. And I have some notes about that. And it, it went a bit heavy on the Sunderlands, yeah. which was kind of good, but the opening scene made him feel more like a real villain. And then as it went on, I feel like he started to become a little bit caricature-y. Yeah. Um, a little bit too manipulative for my taste. So was it, was it the, the late night orphans <laughs> from Africa <laughs> to note to all the notes for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I, I just, I was like, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, actually, that, that that didn't bother me so much, and I, and I guess maybe it's just uh, again, I'm glad that we are diverging a bit on on the on the show. Some, I mean, ultimately, we both liked it, but it's just you know, it's different uh, different perspectives because some of the procedural aspects with the MacGuffin with the with the virus this week actually didn't bother me so much because I felt it was a good entree into some of the character development for Abby and I was okay with the fact that we didn't get so much about her 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 parents this episode because the way they have paced this season so far it has been kind of a slow burn in some of that regard so it it was I, 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 I am used to that ex, uh, that at this point mm-hmm. with the way this series has unfolded. So, uh, and, and so my, my big concern is because things were already cut short from 13 to 10, uh, my concern now is I'm worried that at the back end of the 
of the season, things are going to feel rushed. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's a legitimate concern. That's probably going to come true. <laughs> I have one question though. Yeah, yeah. About the stupid virus. Yeah. <laughs> Did I miss something where the virus also caused them to grow? Very sharp nails oh, yeah. at like an accelerated pace because yeah. that is just simply how it always transferred. Every yeah. single time it was like, we're going to scratch and it's going to yeah. be vicious. It's like I didn't realize that a cat was living in a swamp and transferred this darkness. <laughs> yeah, it not only. Yeah, it's almost like not only did they have sharp nails, but it was almost like they became like copperheads. Where it was almost like infect, you know, injecting venom through these sh- sharp yeah. nail fangs. Yeah. Because, yeah, because because that was I'm glad, yeah, because I was thinking that too as I was watching. I'm like, okay, yeah, they scratched them, but I mean, they didn't really transfer any bodily fluid from one person to the next in the stretch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and at one point, Abby's like, it's transferred through blood, and I'm like, is it? <laughs> It's, yeah, so that, yeah, so maybe, maybe it is, maybe the fingers do become like, bank, like, like, like I said, like a copperhead, like fangs injecting venom or something. Did they have her study what happened with the AIDS crisis and what blood <laughs> transferred virus really is? Does she understand that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, one scene though, and of course, as usual, I always cling to this character. And I do have a funny remark about it, though, is we continue to get a um, we finally get or we get a better scene between Woodrow and Abby because Abby gets a sample of Swamp Thing and takes it back to the lab. And who comes in but Woodrow, who makes a stark compare analysis about how, well, this is clearly like something else altogether. Like it really should either be an animal or it should be a plant. And this is a, has a genetic, a genetic markers of both. And he instantly gets a hard on. Yep. <laughs> uh, he becomes very excited. And <laughs> I, I don't blame Abby for being a bit creeped out. Yeah. <laughs> he went, he went so nerdy in that moment. It he was did. very weird. But you can see him become that villain almost because of his obsession with plants, his obsession with biology yeah. and his his intelligence in that field and of discovery and sharing it with the world. I, I appreciated how that they made sure that she questioned sharing the information with him because she knew the relationship between him and Sunderland. And then he kind of played it off like, no, I wouldn't go to him. I would go to the world first. Like, and I think that's true. I actually do believe that. Um, and I like that because sometimes I don't know if you agree with this. Will, when, when you have multiple bad guys, it does feel like, one is playing second fiddle for the other and and really they're just going to get screwed over but what they're really doing with Sunderland and Woodrow they have very different pathos mm-hmm. and relevance to the story itself of Swamp Thing and Abby so I don't think that it's just Woodrow playing second fiddle it's just yeah. that they have a brief connection 
most likely will end up in backstabbing, mm-hmm. but they're, they're also going to meet their downfall independently from one another. I agree. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And I'm glad that, I mean, Woodrow to me seems to be on his, he is on his own path and, and he will betray Sunderland because he, whenever he, he was completely like aroused by what he was seeing in the microscope. I mean, he kept coming back to it like someone like rubbernecking at an accident where you just can't look away. And, and so he, will at the end of the day do what he feels is in his own best interest and also we cannot forget whatever condition his wife is dealing with as well yeah uh, i i don't forget about his wife i i was very disappointed that we only got him and no mm-hmm. scene with him and his wife or mm-hmm. abby and his wife who still haven't met yeah um because I really do like what they're doing with him, and I'm okay to be teased with that because there's seems to be a long game. Yep. For all we know, the, it was going to um, come to a breaking point in episode 12. We'll never get an episode 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I also something I noticed, and I think we've talked about this before, um, but we're waiting for a little more hints, is the writers are clearly going for – how and usually in a swamp you have you have a lot of things that are dead mm-hmm. or just pollution and, and decaying almost. Mm-hmm. And what's happening now in the swamp is because of the accelerant, there is new life. But the things you want, life has a cycle like a natural order. And so when things that are should be dead are suddenly alive, that breaks the cycle. Right. And and then you have this darkness. And I think that's interesting. I hope that they come up with better metaphors for it and really delve into that, especially considering where Alec is and how, in a way, he probably did die that night. Yeah. It's just the accelerant remade him. In, into this other thing entirely. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope they do explore that. And I'm glad you brought that up. I was, when I saw your, your point on that in the show notes, uh, I, one other thought I had to that, you, you touched on it as well, is there definitely is that theme that things in this episode really made it clear that things in the past should stay dead and buried in the past. Because if you start monkeying around with it, then and again they reanimate it, it creates all kinds of havoc and mayhem. Like uh, Sean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I think that they purposely did that scene at the beginning of this episode with Sunderland. Mm-hmm. Shauna clearly, I, he killed her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm putting all my money now on this. <laughs> he killed her. The way he was asked, the way he was acting. He clearly loves his wife and wants to see her happy, but he he buried a secret out there, and I think he, he killed her, and she's in the swamp. And for a moment there, when they found that dead body, I thought it was going to be Shauna. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, you see those eyes, dead eyes, swamp eyes, and I was like, okay, I, I understand what you did there. M- one more point. Before we wrap it up, 
So, so Swamp Thing is officially the plant version of Aquaman, correct? Correct. Okay, because the plants can talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if it's just the plants, though, because other things are in the swamp. It's basically that ecosystem. He has complete control control of it. Yeah, he has complete control of it. I mean, he uses it to, like, bring Abby's boat to, like, their proper place in the swamp. And, yeah, you know, maybe we'll see him, like, use some of the alligators to get Sunderland later. Who knows? But. Yeah, he he is definitely the the terrestrial-based Aquaman. All right. Well, that's it for Swamp Thing Episode 4. Now we're going to go over to Krypton with their second episode of Season 2, Ghost in the Fire. And we start off with Seagull (laughs) and the pretty blonde. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, this episode should just get retitled as... Lobo's monologues because <laughs> I swear he he just he talked the entire episode and as much as last week I was like oh I love the accent I got a bit tired <laughs> <laughs> he was exhausting he is but it but it, in a fun way I, I mean I so whenever just to touch on the story we talked about last week with Lobo and a spinoff I, I could see it working now I could I could uh, he could carry a show, uh, but I loved. But, but to me, what? But the 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 triumphant on this on, on Kolu with, with Lobo, Seg, and Adam, that was like it, it. It reminded me of like Lethal Weapon two with the buddy dynamic, but Virix mm-hmm. Murtaugh and and um, Leo gets. Because yeah. It was that. It was that old school buddy cop movie dynamic that just works so that whenever it whenever you they nail it it works beautifully and this episode it truly did yeah yeah no i i liked it all it was fun with how many different things he would refer to seagull which i'm i'm gonna try to make stick um i'm referring (laughs) to stag hopefully people understand that as well as adam just like Clearly, I, I I don't know. He switched because at one point he he went on a tangent about how how Seg smells like the ocean or something, mm-hmm. like a meadow, a meadow. I think it was yeah. a beautiful meadow and with his long lashes. And I'm like, real wow. <laughs> so are are they alluding that he's gay or are they alluding that he's bisexual? I don't know. I we'll think, wait and see. <laughs> I think he's pansexual. He just yeah, he's he's every, yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. He's a logo. What, what more can you say? Exactly. Uh. And and of course we were right. We we knew Braniac was not dead. Yeah. I didn't necessarily realize that he infused himself into SAG. Yeah, but you touched it. You you basically you're like he got in his head, and you were right. Literally, he literally got in his head. Literally, literally. And um, the interesting thing is is. It was it was cool to see like the little hints a lot scattered throughout the episode. Like it wasn't that immediately Brainiac just gets into your brain and then it takes over. With Seg, it was a progression. Right, right. 
It was and, for sure. Until that final moment where his eyes blacked out and Adam's just like, yeah, we we can't go yet, um, right. which is good because because as much it is interesting how they're setting up the season with having Adam and Seg be isolated from everybody else. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how long can they, they do that this year? Uh, I, I'm thinking we're going they're going to be returning to Krypton probably by episode four. I think we'll get one more episode on Kolu. We'll get the resolution of Brainiac and Seg separating, and they'll use the Zeta beam to to get back. Because there's 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 some things happening on Krypton as well that uh, this week really moved uh, moved forward um, with um, Druzad and also the the Resistance. Yeah, do you want to expand on that a little bit more? Uh, yeah, we can. I just wanted to just, I just had to give a little shout out moment to, uh, to, uh, Seg and, uh, Cameron doing the little, uh, the Henry Cavill move there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, in the, in the, in the scene with, uh, the fight between him and Lobo. That was, that was pretty, pretty dope moment. But, uh, yeah, but, um, you know, going back, getting, leaving Kolu, going back to Krypton, uh, so we, you know, we, we've seen several things happen. Obviously it's been a time jump. One of the things that stood out to me with, uh, Druzad and, and Lytazad was two things. First, he, how he is reshaping this world and building the skyscrapers and becoming the Krypton that we're very familiar with. And, and Lyta still, and, and this will go to my second point. Uh, her, her world basically ending and the things that she knows and what she is familiar with. It, it, she, I mean, she just, you know, she points it out to him in the episode. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm losing what I know. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it really is that case. And she is in grieving because in the whole discussion that they were having, as far as, and this was in the context of losing a few Sagittarii to Doomsday and, the resistance going on at Wegthor and how they have, they're using the underclass to be conscripted into the army and how they're not trained. And then she wants to go train. He's like, no, you can't. I need your hero candor. And then she, she tra- trains the underclass that they've conscripted into the army. And of course she starts having visions of Seg and, and, and that grief that she is feeling not only as she, you know, not only as she is, is losing the, the city and the planet that she knew, once knew and, and maybe even questioning what her son is doing. But now she's also grieving that loss of that relationship with Seg and she's having all these visions of him, like, you know, grafting his face on some random trainee to the point where he thought he was, she was leading him on. And then she like beat, basically like put him, beat him down. Uh, it, you know, she's not, it, it, w- We've seen the, the Zod legacy being that they're killers and, and, and so her com- dealing with that and knowing all the things that her son's doing and also, you know, figure, trying to figure out what happened to her mother as far as Jaina and what's going on in her story. So, I mean, I, where it was a little slower as far as pacing and, and, 
than what was going on on Kulu with Seg and Adam and Lobo. I, I felt it was some good character moments we went forward with Life is Odd in, in this particular story. Yeah, uh, there. I, I I agree with that. Yeah, she. I so so something you did say that I wouldn't agree with one hundred percent is that okay. th- their clan isn't that they're killers, they're soldiers. It's a very different yeah. thing. Yeah. And she valued duty. That's and we've already yeah. talked about this in the right, previous right. episode that really the conflict is that her son is really this political mm-hmm. adversary on Krypton, while she because of uh, what happened to her mom because of her relationship with Seg, she's always questioned politicians mm-hmm. and really how are we really doing what's best for the people? Um, if that makes sense, I don't, I don't really yeah, know. At yeah. this point. No, that makes sense. I mean, I think, I mean, I think that gets to the point where she was questioning what, what is the goal here as far as all these changes that, Druzad is is making and, and and remaking Krypton. I mean, is he doing it for the people or is he doing it for himself? Yeah, and I think it's going to take her a while to figure out that he's really doing it for himself. And and it's kind of that that relationship from last season between her and her mom, which took all season to basically her decide not to go to go again or for her to decide to go against her mom. And then this season it's going to take until the end for her to decide to go against her son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hope, well, we think, well, yeah, but also, but one thing that we didn't mention is, uh, how Druzad basically gave her the task of raising Corvex. Yeah. I don't, I, I really, it unsettles me to see Lyda and Zod on screen together mm. because he he appears so much older than her. Yeah. And yet he's her son. He the way he talks down, it just drives me crazy because I'm just I'm just like, Lyda, wake the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, your son shouldn't talk to you like that. Right. And and there, he reminds me of a that that character that we used to see a lot in films and TV shows who would would always rival the protagonist and wanting to achieve the affections of the girl mm-hmm. and light as the girl. And it really is disturbing to me because that's her son. Right. And. And he went, it's just, there, there's something really wrong <laughs> that I'm interpreting with some of these scenes. It's like a, it's a very Oedipus kind of like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there's like the dude killed his father, but wait a second, she's not pregnant, so how the heck do we get sawed? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why anybody doesn't understand time travel on Krypton. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. I hear you, I hear you. I mean, I, I think yeah, that is that there is it is a hard dynamic watching them. Yeah, that age difference, it, 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 it yeah, it, it is a little, it is unsettling. I, I would agree with you for, for with that. I, maybe for different reasons, but uh, but I, I, I get I get what you're saying. 
Yeah, I I liked Jaina this episode. She comes back and we hear about this whole rebirth of or the cycle of the flame bird rebirth. And towards the end, she just has a badass moment in a bar. And like, like it reminded me of the gun gunslinger movies mm. of just the outlaw rogue going into a place of hiding and safety. But because she was Sagittari, they, they recognize her and they immediately tell others. And then she, then she has to fight her way out. Right. Well, I, I guess there are a couple of things rolling back with her, you know, getting to your earlier point about uh, the Sagittarian and duty. Uh, and, and I guess maybe I was, I, when I said they were killers, I guess I'm looking at the end result as far as her, her grandson. But, uh, but to that point, uh, her discussion with what we thought, which was her brother and, we, you know, we get a flashback to, to the, when they were younger and, and then she, where she abandoned him while they were training. And then of course, come the present day, she is, uh, in the caverns convalescing as, yeah, from, from what we saw at the end of last season. And, and so she's having all these conversations with the brother, including the, Talking about the the rebirth cycle of the flame bird, as as you noted, and and how that all sort of interrelates to how the evolution of Krypton, um, as as they have this discussion, and then we and then we turn and find out that all this time she was actually alone. It was just a image in her head as far as these these conversations. But getting to to but through that, she she now realizes she's got to end this this cycle with her family. And so, yeah, she does end up in the bar and, and tries to play off that, you know, I'm just, I'm just the man, woman with no name. Just, just let me have a drink and leave me alone. But of course, the Sagittarius recognized her and yeah, she does. Yeah, that was an awesome moment where she just took care of business in the, in the bar. And also we get, uh, we, 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 we find Dave is, comes to her aid as well at the, at the end and realize, you know, that was another character from season one. We, we were wondering what, Maybe some people were wondering what happened to, and we and we find out that he's been hiding out here in the Outlands. I don't remember him at all. Yeah, I, <laughs> I forgot. Uh, this was me. I put this in the show notes. Did we just meet Lyda's father? Because <laughs> <laughs> there was I don't who was he? I don't even remember him. Yeah, no, what's he was the uh, other? You know, he was the other Sagittari that Lyda was. Um, I think she had a relationship with, if I recall from season one. That's Dave? Yeah. Also, Lyda, Jaina, Seg, and then they put a character on the show called Dave? Yeah, Dev, or like D-E-V. Dev, okay. Okay, Dev I recognize now. Yeah. And now it makes a lot more sense. He does look very different than when he was on season one. Did they recast? I don't know if they recast or not, but or maybe again he's been hiding out in the outlands. So just like Jaina has, since she's been, uh, Brainiac it, really yeah. screwed him up. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah, I think he did. Huh? You know that's really, and maybe that is why I'm kind of like over this whole Lyda situation because 
the people who she she was going against last season with Dev and Jaina, they're now becoming the badasses because they're like uh, Sagittarius, no more. Our right. world, like what you're saying, our world has ended. So now we get to be the outlaws, and there's something really cool about that. It is. It really is. It is. And then, of course, that leads into to, to Nissa and her her plans with the resistance. In air quotes. <laughs> So, uh, a theory that'll probably be proven a false. Val. So, Seg's grandfather. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as innocent as he wants everybody to believe. Really? There's something about this whole situation. He's taking what happened with his grandson a bit too well, if you ask me. Hmm. And also, even in this episode, at one point, Adam was like, oh, we got to find somebody smart enough to fix this. Oh, let's call Val. There's just something about it where he, I feel like how that season finale, him being released, him being um, back on Krypton, everything seemed to work out so well for him and not for Seg. Mm-hmm. or anybody else surrounding Seg, then it just makes me wonder if he's truly, if it's good that, that he's back, or if really he should have been locked up in the Phantom Zone. Do you think he has some allegiance to, like, Brainiac by chance, or? Maybe. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, it's possible, or, you know, I, I thought, I mean, I think Val, to me, has just sort of been the sort of elder statesman, who is, who is, when we, you know, obviously the name L means hope and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just look at him as sort of that, that figurehead leader who is there to help get the resistance started on Krypton to basically restore the order. But he's, he was first portrayed to us as a scientist who made a discovery mm-hmm. that nobody else believed. Mm-hmm. And so he was cast out. He comes back as this resistance leader and politician. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, from what we've seen of Seg, Phantom Zone changes a person, too. And it does. And he was locked in there a lot longer than Seg was. He was. He was. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I do, I question it a little bit, especially, and I swear, anytime they go to the resistance, Battlestar Galactica. I mean, this has Battlestar Galactica written all over it. And he's been, there's a character, I can't think of the character's name, who this Val reminded me of significantly. Okay. And that character, at one point he's good, but then there's also some, he, he ends up being a Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly what I'm saying, Val is a Cylon. I think Val's a Cylon. <laughs> No, that's Nissa. <laughs> true, true. She could be too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 with Nissa's conversations with 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 Drew Zod this week, I, I wasn't completely thrown by that because I just never fully bought her, bought into her really being uh, a member of, of the resistance. Uh, it's just too much of her father in her. Um. Being, I guess, going back to your point about the politicians and 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 trying to work things to their to their end, um, and and so, 
whatever she is doing to assist Sod and basically basically getting the codex, um, it, it didn't it did not completely throw me. Nissa's return. Well, whenever remember because she had that, they, she and Zod had that communique, uh, and she had to quickly end it. But basically, it was like you know, basically she's like a double agent of a double agent of a double agent because she's, you know, she was, she was. I didn't really pay too much attention in this in this episode because the I I don't, and I think this is what you're trying to get at is that. All of like, we know she wants to be with the resistance, but her son is at stake. However, also Nissa, wake the heck up. Zod, even if he says, Oh, I'm going to give you your son back. He's really not. And she knows, she should know that. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's weird. It's, it's also, it's not something that really I'm interested in. I'll uh, put it like that. I, gotcha. I've, I've seen things like this play out before. I'm I'm more interested in her and that perspective of not understanding who she was, which we got a little bit last episode. So I didn't really I wasn't too engaged whenever uh, they went back to her and what was happening with her, because I was just like, OK, yeah. the yeah. the spy thing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, hear you. I mean, it, it was I, as I said, it, it didn't. Whenever they had the conversations, and it could just be like you said that it was just tied to her deal with him taking care of Corvex, and you know she might just be playing everyone at this point just to get to her, to get resolution to her questions. Yeah, for all we know, I I think it also just unsettles me anytime Corvex is mentioned because I'm like he's a freaking baby, put yeah. the baby down and walk <laughs> away. <laughs> I don't I don't like violence against children. Right. <laughs> and and let me be clear, I think I have I have some validation on on saying things like this in regard to this show. They literally made a a little girl be become a human bomb during the first season. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. That that was uh yeah, that was definitely like you're we're, we're not playing around with you guys. <laughs> this is this is not your father's uh, family friendly superhero show. <laughs> so who who ha- the heck knows what'll happen with poor Corvax who has who's a newborn? <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's it for us today. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M Polk. That's W I L L M P O L K. And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. Bye.